NZ Herald political reporter Thomas Coughlin joins me now. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. So we saw some new MIQ rules this week announced by the government and the general consensus seems to be that they really haven't quite gone far enough. And we're talking about people arriving back in New Zealand. Um, they Their time in MIQ is going to be reduced from 14 days to 7 days, followed by isolation at home until the rest the result of a nine-day test has been received. And the biggest criticism seems to be that we have people with COVID in the community quarantining at home, while double-vaxxed, negative-tested returnees still have to go through the MIQ process. Yeah, I mean, that's the irony, right? And, uh, and that's why these plans, which were, which were always going to happen at some point, have been brought forward. Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> we're currently in a situation which is a bit unique in New, in New Zealand's COVID history where actually the biggest threat to New Zealand's COVID situation is from New Zealanders in New Zealand, not from overseas returnees. Um, the government had always been planning this, so they have, they have brought it forward. But you, you can see from overseas Kiwis now, I mean, every every morning in the paper, on the radio and in the, in the news at night, you hear these heartbreaking stories of people who really should be allowed to come home to visit dying relatives to see um, to see their their families, um, and and MIQ is is prohibiting them from doing that. Now, obviously, this is a sort of a step in the direction of, of helping them to do that. But the government said quite um, up, been, has been quite upfront in saying that this actually won't um, release a whole lot of extra rooms uh, in MIQ. We're still using this cohorting system, and because the government is still um, because the government is still putting a lot of people who have COVID into um, quarantine, it means there are still quite a few rooms that are occupied in MIQ. So, you know, it's it's um, it's a step in that direction, but it's it's really not um, not going to be very fast. If they can trust us to stay at home now with COVID, why can't they trust us going forward? Well, I think you know, I think that that's the question that they haven't they haven't really answered, and and certainly you know we've, we've seen a few um, isolated issues. Um, teething issues with home isolation for people in Auckland who have COVID-19 and the public health, um, public Auckland public health up there, they have been um, uh, managing this relatively well. It's a, it's a new system for them, but obviously they're managing hundreds of COVID cases at home and there have been a few teething issues with perhaps not getting people's tests in time, not checking up on them in time. So it's more on the, on the um, level of can Auckland's public health actually manage um, this number of returnees isolating at home. Yeah, but yes, okay. I mean, on a point of pr- principle, um, on a point of principle, if, if, if you're a New Zealander who's coming home from overseas or a New, Ze- New Zealander who's got COVID uh, in New Zealand, well, I mean, what's the difference there? And that's the question that actually, you know, no one's really, um, even though it appears the government hasn't asked itself that question and they certainly don't have an answer for it. Mm. Three waters reform, Thomas. We seem to have ended up exactly where many thought we would, with the government pushing forward with reforms without council approval. From here, I believe we've got the working groups which are going to kick into action. Can we actually, is the government open to compromise? Yeah, I think that's sort of the um, the $185 billion question. Right. Um, <laughs> the issue that the, the government has is that uh, these new water entities, right, basically the, the, the simple argument for why we're doing this is that they want to create these water companies which are independent of everyone. And so because they're independent, they can raise a whole, they can borrow a whole lot of money on their own balance sheet to invest in water supplies. Um, now, if they're not independent of the councils, then they can't actually do that borrowing because all of the people who are lending the money are basically looking at those water entities and saying, hold on. You're not an independent water entity. You're a council. Mm. Um, so what the councils want, which is to have more control over the water, is the one thing the government can't really give them. Um, so unless unless some sort of compromise is found, it'll probably be a, a really big compromise to allow them to both have 
independence and control, which is obviously a contradiction. You can't have independence and control. Um, unless a compromise can be found, then I think the councils are bound to be dissatisfied. When is local government looking to legislate? Uh, so we're going to, the, the, the first, um, there's lots of legislation, but the first bit of legislation um, will come at the end of this year, okay. uh, and that will begin to establish the entities, but it, it, I, I'm, I'm not actually sure when the working group is set to report back. It'll be interesting to see what they, right. um, so what this, they come back with. So this could still be quite a long process? Oh yeah, You're, um, you, you won't see water entities actually uh, fully operational until 2024, the middle of 2024. So, yeah, expect to hear, expect to hear a lot of it, a lot about them. Until <laughs> I then. know, but we're just lot, at the beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. I think there are three, there are three bills to pass. So, uh, I might add two or three. I think, I think there are three, three pieces of legislation that they need to pass. It is three. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll so settle in, Thomas. We'll settle in. Exactly. Yeah. Pour yourself a cup of tea. Thank you so much, Thomas. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.